Hi, everyone. Welcome to Start With Questions, a transformational leadership podcast hosted by Mount Vernon Ventures, an R&D company at the Mount Vernon School in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm your host, Ann Marsh Rutledge, Executive Director of Mount Vernon Ventures. And here with me today is Matt Nealon, Chief Talent and Experience Officer at the Mount Vernon School to answer the question, what is needed to manage talent and experience today and in the future? Hi, Matt. Hey, I'm Marge. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining. I'm excited to talk to you today. So, you know, because you've been integral in this work, but the Ventures team is releasing our winter R&D report, a new kind of leader managing talent and experience for a new world of work later in January, later this month. And I'm excited to interview just about the research findings that you did for this report, the implications for organizations, and really how we're applying these research findings to leadership within the Mount Vernon School. So we know there have been some big changes in the world of work, especially since COVID, but why focus on managing talent and experience and why now? Well, I appreciate the question, Ann Marsh. You know, as we started to research this, we wanted to figure out there are so many stereotypes of various generations like Gen Z who are coming into the workforce. Uh, there are so many things that people are being bombarded with in terms of what managers should do and what they shouldn't do. There isn't a day that goes by I don't have emails in my inbox telling me about trends and what to look for. And we just really wanted to create a tool that was actionable, that had some solid research in it, but also gave people some places to start. And a 2023 NAIS survey that we read revealed that the number one hot issue challenging particularly independent schools was finding and retaining qualified staff uh, as their workplace expectations shift. So we really wanted to look into the nature of the workplace as it's evolving. We wanted to figure out, you know, when it comes to education, which is a field right now that is in some ways under attack, teachers are leaving the field. They're not just leaving their school, but we have survey data that says over 50% of teachers are considering a career shift. How do managers and leaders not only respond to this, but take a proactive approach to building a culture where people want to stay and thrive. Yeah, obviously some really big issues and any of us who've been in schools in the past few years have felt those things, but it's really interesting to hear more about the research side of it too. Give us a quick overview. So you were just so integral in researching and writing this report, but give us a quick overview. What can our, our readers expect to find in this R&D report? Yeah, the field uh, and the study around this topic, leadership, especially the future of leadership, is not only unknown, but it's so broad. So we really wanted to give folks, whether you work in a nonprofit or a for-profit, some examples of definitions about things like leaders and managers, uh, what organizational culture means, really starting to unpack things like competencies for leaders, uh, as well as the skills and attributes and even literacies that are going to be needed for this new world of work. And the way we defined the world of work in this report was, you know, work the place, the people, the tools, uh, and then how you work as an individual versus on a team. And what we realized was that 
not only is Mount Vernon a competency-based school for students, we want to be competency-based for teachers. Because when you think about the notion of being prepared to lead, it's really beyond a discrete skill. It is a competency that can be demonstrated, it is a competency that can be practiced. And we did a lot of research into the competencies that different companies use and where the trends were. So we kind of did the legwork for our readers at looking at a lot of these big Fortune 500 companies, but also nonprofits and educational institutions to say, where do we see trends in those skill sets that we identify as competencies and how can we start to scaffold those in a way that makes sense? Yeah, that's so interesting. Say more about that because I'm sure our listeners would be so interested to hear like, what were some of those competencies or some of the the skills that feel like they're the most important for leaders? Well, the report uh, gives a top 20, but we really found that one of the most important things was sharing a compelling vision, that ability to inspire other people through the stories that you tell and being an effective storyteller, not just in general, but to the audience that you're speaking to. What motivates the stakeholders in front of you and even the individuals that a leader might be interacting with on a daily basis? We also saw as a trend the ability to be agile and adopt this growth mindset. A lot of folks are getting overwhelmed with the pace of change. You know, we think about AI, we think about uh, the hybrid versus remote versus in-person workplaces. People are just really overwhelmed, especially folks who've been in leadership roles for a number of years. But that ability to learn and be agile and just sort of pivot and move um, in the giving the answers and giving the direction that's needed for the moment, even if you don't know the direction that's needed for the long-term. Uh, we also saw how being a good coach and developing talent was so important. And that's why that's part of the title of this report is that really every employee has always been their own talent manager, right? They're, they're in charge of their own career journey. But we see folks really looking for places where their own talents can be developed, where they can find other opportunities they maybe weren't aware of, and where they can uh, be treated kind of as someone who's not just uh, disposable, but who is really worth investing in. Uh, so those were some of the top trends that we saw. But again, uh, we lined up, we went to all these different companies, they looked, we looked at their competencies, and we really tried to synthesize where those trends were. And if you're interested in digging deeper into that list, the report goes pretty in depth. Definitely thinking about all those challenges for leaders reminds me. Um, also, an idea that comes up in the report is about a regenerative workforce or a regenerative work environment. So tell our listeners a little bit more about that. What do we mean by that? And what could that look like to have a regenerative workplace? So we all know there are buzzwords that go in and out of fashion. And we definitely don't want to just jump onto a new buzzword. But I can remember a time a few years ago when sustainability was the word. And in some circles, sustainability is still a word you hear a lot. Unfortunately, in the corporate world and somewhat in the nonprofit world, sustainability just became an initiative for a department to either reduce waste or to reduce costs or to become more environmentally friendly, rather than an idea that permeated the operations of the entire business unit, the entire organization. 
we wanted to take the idea of, okay, how do we not only sustain as a workplace, as an employer, as an organization, but how do we actually create an environment where the work people do fuels them to do better and more exciting work? If anywhere should be able to do this, it's not just the nonprofit space, but the education space. And that was a fundamental question we went into this report with. If teachers feel such a sense of purpose and such a sense of um, identity with what they are doing in the field of education, why do we have so many teachers leaving the field? Well, one of the big reasons is the burnout, the stress, and all of the anxiety that comes with the demands of the education field at the moment, which is no different than demands in other fields as well. So how do we reimagine those processes, those procedures, those operational pieces that are burning people out so that we can turn an environment that was uh, you know, just sort of wearing people down into an environment where the work I'm doing is fueling me and we're actually growing, we're improving, we're getting better, we're getting uh, more detailed with the work that we do and more sophisticated with the work that we do. Uh, because obviously the field of education has got to evolve with the rest of the world. And when I think about the industrial age where, you know, people worked in factories and the factory mindset is you use a machine until it's broken. Unfortunately, that mindset made its way into uh, the hiring and, um, you know, leading of people. You just use a person for the work that they can do until they are tired or broken or can't do it anymore. And that model uh, really is not going to work moving forward. We've got to adopt new ideas when we are not just building the team, but building the process. Absolutely. That totally resonates. And, you know, unfortunately, there's so many of those holdovers from that industrial age mindset that we're, we're still trying to reimagine in schools. But, you know, I, I think if we can get it right with our people, then the other things will follow. And if teachers can reinvigorate that passion and meaning in the work, then, you know, hopefully the, a lot of those other changes that we want to see in terms of education and getting rid of those old industrial mindsets will follow as well. So um, thank you for that. It also leads me to my next question and just thinking about what are some of the implications for schools and organizations that they should consider in light of this research? Well, you know, Marsh, I think a lot of the things people are going to read in this report are concepts they have seen elsewhere, but it helps to tie them together in a way that makes sense and is actionable. One of those things is something as simple as like well-being. We hear wellness, wellness, wellness all over the place, all over the news, all over the internet, but what does that look like? Does it get relegated to a department again, just like we were talking about with sustainability, or does it become a part of the fabric of the culture? And I am not here to say that we have figured everything out because we're certainly prototyping and testing and trying things. But our goal is to really weave this into our organization in a really thoughtful way and in a way that is effective uh, and efficient because obviously we need to continue. We don't just have like endless resources. We've got to figure out how to reallocate, redistribute and, um, and create capacity to deploy our resources. Another one of the trends you're gonna see when I talked about workplace, workforce, and work tools, you're gonna to see us unpack a little bit about 
um, generations, which is really exciting work. We did a lot of research about what matters to different generations and not only what matters to them, what motivates, what stresses, what kind of feedback they prefer, what leadership style they prefer, and what employer opportunities there are for each generation from Gen Z to millennials to Gen X and even boomers. Uh, we really wanted to make sure that we had considered everyone and that we weren't just focusing on one aspect of the workforce. When it comes to workplace, we do unpack a little bit of uh, the organizational culture around in-person workplaces, remote workplaces, and hybrid workplaces and the implications for those. When it comes to tools, we really start to dive into how AI and different digital tools need to be the learning and development with that, the training with that, the way that they're integrated into the rhythm of someone's day is not only important, but it's going to look really different uh, because you're not just assuming someone can use a tool or you're not just assuming someone can integrate it into their work uh, seamlessly without some coaching, without ongoing support. Uh, and then we get into um, how employees can be members of teams, where they are, you know, creating the team, where they are sort of investing in the team and where the team is investing in them. And uh, we have some interesting resources around that as well. We talk about your people, how to invest in your people, some really tried and true tools that are proven to work uh, around talent management. And we also talked about protecting your organization. Uh, we use a pestle model to sort of unpack how to build bandwidth and resilience, because uh, those can be different things. The thing I'm most excited about is we took those 20 themes in leadership competencies, and we actually sequenced them in a way that you could focus on a smaller set of skills at a given time. And we sequenced them based on the life cycle of a project. So we taught, we created some visuals about how to invest in others as you are building, nurturing, and executing the tasks of a team, how you can invest in the organization as you manage that team and iterate uh, your projects, and then how to invest in yourself along the way. So those, um, I really think that lines up some of these ideas in a way that is actionable, because you know, 20 things is not necessarily actionable in any said time. We also give some uh, ways that you can integrate or you can start to use these things today. Uh, a lot of different examples, a lot of different tools. And the thing that I love, we just talked about regeneration. It unpacks a little bit in the research we found ingredients of a regenerative workplace. You know, Things like how to monitor your energy as a resource you know, how to make decisions that benefit both work and life rather than positioning work versus life. Really, we're finding folks want to integrate all the pieces of their life. They are not wanting to be a different person at work and a different person at home. And they're not wanting to settle for if work succeeds, that means that my family doesn't. Or if I'm really investing in my family, that means I'm not going to do as well at work. Gen Z says we really need workplaces where I can succeed in both areas. Um, yeah. So we get Just to some like of we've that. we've seen that uh, holistic approach to students and learning. It's exactly. the idea, but for adults, more holistic for sure resonates. Yeah, we've been talking about whole child for a long time. I think it's time to talk about whole employee or team member.
Absolutely. Because how can we expect our kids to be whole if we don't have adults leading them who are whole as well? I wonder, Matt, tell our listeners, like, how has this research shown up in your work at the Mount Vernon School? Or are there any examples of really actionable recent uh, stories that um, this research is applicable in terms of, of what we're doing for leaders and leadership at Mount Vernon? Yeah, we've been really trying um, some new things. We've been really looking at wellness and well-being and how we offer opportunities in the form of like a menu where people can choose on-site opportunities, off-site opportunities, different opportunities for different schedules and family structures that might work for them, but really acknowledging that no one solution is going to work for everybody. And we talk about personalizing and customizing the student experience. And I really want to personalize and customize the employee experience. Uh, you know, I work on a team that is looking at the whole school, but as a school, we have hundreds of employees and there's no way I could know every single thing about each one of them, but we want to create environments where somebody knows the ins and outs of what that person needs, what their learning styles are, what motivates them, what excites them, and what opportunities they're looking for. Because to assume that everyone wants the same opportunities is just not the case. So we really want to create teams and structures that are ready for those types of things. In the report, we also get into some really actionable things like how you might consider rewriting job descriptions or building talent pipelines that help bring the candidates that are a match for your organization uh, to your school. What does it look like um, to create a culture guide where when people are getting acclimated to the school environment, they can read and they can explore on their own terms uh, you know, in the time that makes sense for them. It's not always about sitting in a room and hearing someone talk about culture. Where are the stories that people can read? Where are the examples of good work where they can see, oh, someone else did that and that's what they're looking for. That's the quality of the work they're looking for. That's the type of work that they're looking for. We don't often give examples because we don't want people to you know, copy or feel like they have to do the exact same thing as someone else. But we have found that if you don't give people examples, then they're gonna be kind of dealing with a blank canvas. And that can be a really frustrating thing, especially for a brand new employee. Yeah, I love this idea, especially because it does really acknowledge that employees are not going to stay at an organization for 30 plus years like they once did, but ensuring that the culture and the things that you love about the organization on its best day, as you put it in the report, um, are really going to stay despite who's there or who's not there is, is really um, encapsulating that idea of sustainability for an organization, what does it look like for your organization to be sustainable and making a tool that ensures that even though there, there will be people who come and go and, you know, that's a given of today's uh, industry. Yeah. And I think another piece of personalizing the employee experience is to do that work. You have got to free up some time because we all only have so many minutes in a day and we all only have so much human capital. And so what are the tasks that could be automated? We've gone through a process of really trying to automate our onboarding experience. A lot of people use an HRIS where they're automating certain pieces of communication with candidates. But now once someone signs on to be a member of the team, there's a hundred different things that have to happen. I know you've started a new job where there's email accounts and 
there's credentialing and this and that. And so how do we use tools to automate some of those pieces so that our valuable minutes can be spent building relationships, they can be spent one-on-one, -on -one, they can be spent learning um, what someone needs in a, in a coaching context, and we aren't spending all of our time just going through tasks. And so that is a journey we're still on, but I think when we think about technology and a lot of folks, myself included, can get freaked out by AI and all these new tools available, we really need to see the ROI is that anything that can be automated frees up time so that you can really spend uh, your school day moments or work day moments with people and, and investing in a more one-on-one uh, -on -one capacity. Absolutely. Putting humans to work, doing the work that only a human can do, empathizing, getting to know people, building relationships and, you know, filling out forms at another time that might be convenient for different people at different times. And that idea of personalizing the employee experience just so resonates that you know, everybody's in a different phase of life. They have different things that are important to them, different family structures, different values. And, you know, having an organization that can be responsive to a whole host of different needs in terms of employee really is that more holistic approach. And really gets at that regenerative workplace that's so exciting. Well, Matt, I know this is a really in-depth report. If you um, you know, could just share maybe one or two practical suggestions for other schools that might be hoping to implement some of these things, where would you suggest that they start? I think what we were just talking about is starting by getting to know your people and building systems that make sure that can happen. I want to give an example of, uh, you know, we in the onboarding process need to acquire or take a photo of each staff member for their FOB, which is their access card into the building, their ID of sorts. And that was becoming an issue because we need to create the ID before they arrive, but we don't have a picture before they arrive. So we actually just created a Google form that became a part of our onboarding where we asked folks for a picture of themselves, but we also used that opportunity to ask them how they like to be celebrated, what their favorite drink and what their favorite, uh, you know, like coffee type drink or what restaurant they like to go to or how they like to have fun. Uh, and then we can make sure that if I'm going to a meeting with that person and I want to bring them coffee, I can get them the exact coffee they want. We just had a basketball coach and it was his 100th win at the school. The basketball team had won 100 games under his leadership and we wanted to do something special. So we went straight to the form and within seconds, we knew what his favorite restaurant was uh, and we were able to send him that gift card almost in real time. Things like that, the little personal touches, because you have the data, we, we did the upfront part of it, and then we could personalize the experience. I think it's a great example of how your systems and your people processes can merge. Um, another thing that schools can work on is how they can actually um, look at the things that they want to be and the things that they are. We often talk about the implicit versus the explicit. And even going through a routine of saying, what you mentioned, what is the school on its best day? Asking people, what is the school we want to be in five years? What is the school on our best day today? And what does it look like when someone has a rough day at this organization? And rather than thinking in abstract terms, really give concrete examples so that you can start to change those moments. Sometimes it's something as simple as the copy machine that is frustrating every single person in the organization <laughs> or that one form that needs to get filled out before you can go on a field trip. 
Uh, those are the things that when we really look at the moments in an organization, little things can go a really, really long way. So I really encourage everyone um, to, when you read this report to be thinking about how every process in your organization could be 1% more sustainable or regenerative and what it would take to retool. Because I know a lot of times we get under the hood, it's a little scary uh, and you might try something, it doesn't work and you got to try another way and you got to try another way. But that's why we always say be brave to try and try again because it's worth trying again and again, if it means your team and your people are benefiting. Absolutely. I love hearing you talk about just this idea of backwards planning or backwards designing the culture and the organization that you want and really valuing, valuing relationships and um, really putting people first. And, you know, there's so much buzz right now about AI and the technology and how it will change. But I just hear you so much leaning into the idea of how important your people are and how important they are as individuals and really valuing, you know, what is unique about each of them and really being intentional about creating uh, moments that you can show gratefulness for, for each person in the way that resonates with them. Uh, in their own in their own set of values. Yeah, I think in the corporate world, we talk about verticals. When you talk about opportunities for employees, it's, oh, I want to be an associate director so that I can become a director so that I can become an executive director. And it's a very linear path. We've known now for years that career journeys are not linear in any way. Folks are jumping around between different fields, between different um you know, sectors, they're even developing new skills and totally changing their direction. And that's why if folks can understand their competency growth, their skill growth, it will open up all these new job opportunities, even within your organization. So I really want to encourage organizations to start to invest in tracking and building the skills and competencies that matter to you, because that is what is going to help an employee see all the myriad opportunities they have in your organization and not necessarily have to leave uh, just because they don't see a quote unquote vertical uh, for themselves. Yeah, I love that. And it really speaks to, you know, finding the thing that um, is important in terms of your own purpose statement or your own value statement as a unique employee and you know, finding the fit that's right. And I think it's exciting to not just think about vertical growth, but, you know, how can I grow my skills that could be applicable to a range of novel experiences that I haven't yet had is, is really, really good work. Um, well, Matt, if this is a taste of what our, our readers have in store for them with this latest R&D report, this will really has the fuel to be so impactful for organizations. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, and listeners, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you can check out more resources and also purchase our Mount Vernon Ventures Winter R&D Report, A New Kind of Leader, Managing Talent and Experience for a New World of Work, online at mvventures.org. Reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you all for joining today's episode of Start With Questions, a transformational leadership podcast hosted by Mount Vernon Ventures. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Amarsh. Have a great day. You too.